Now, Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable cars and coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Hey, everybody, it's Spike, and Spike's, uh, this is an episode, Will, of Spike's Comedy Radio today. I don't believe Dana Gould is a car guy. I have some cars. But he's here. We don't, we don't want to talk about cars, do we? I have some old cars. In case you don't know who Dana Gould is, he's not only uh, an old friend of mine, he's a very famous comedian. He's got his own podcast, The Dana Gould Hour, that I'm hearing everybody talks to him about. He's got his own show on you, uh, IFC, called Stand Against Evil. You guys are in your second season. Yep. Wednesdays at 10 o'clock. And also, he's uh, you've been with The Simpsons for a long time. He's I was Simpsons on The Simpsons writer, right? for a good seven, eight years. Wow. So you're not there anymore? No. Wow. No. All right. For eight years. That's mm-hmm. a long time. So primarily... I came up with the character of Apu, and it's been smooth sailing. <laughs> what do you get for that? <laughs> no one has a problem with it, and it's been great. You know, I have an asterisk uh, Simpsons writing credit. <laughs> Which one? Um, Sideshow Bob, uh, Last Gleaming is the episode oh, really? I'm credited with writing. Uh-huh. Yes. But um, early on, when I was on Letterman and a writer there, they reached out to me and asked me to write an episode. I didn't even know what that meant. I had never written long-form com- uh-huh. half-hour comedy. And so they, they who, flew, flew me out. Who it reached out to you? George Meyer. Sure. Well, yeah. The whole crew, the that, that, that original crew. Yeah. Right? I was very flattered. I loved the show. I wasn't really keen on writing for animated characters. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed my interactions on the Letterman set and real people. And, yep. You know, but... Uh, I, I, I've never been more confused in my life. I went to this writer's meeting where all these super smart, yeah. super funny writers, it's, right? That's I'm a all, terrifying I'm day. I'm a pretty insecure guy at that point anyways, but yeah. now I'm way out of my element. You know, I'm just on a different coast in a place I haven't been before with a bunch of guys I don't know. And they're like, just, you know, just take notes. And here we go. Yeah. And they didn't even say what the thing was that we were doing, right? <laughs> and I sat there as oh, – and George, could say, he could say, don't worry. At the end of this, just don't worry about it. We're going to hand you the notes. And yeah. then all you have to do is put it together like a puzzle. You just assemble it, right? Yes, he's okay. ostensibly correct. Yes. So uh, at the, there's this long me. I don't think I said anything. I, I really couldn't follow what was happening in this room. And it was flying so quickly. I was so impressed with how smart and funny everybody was. Yeah. And at the end of the meeting, they said, okay, we're going to send you notes. I get 25 pages of notes, yeah. right? That's, about that's right. pretty much the whole script, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I was like, well, should I just staple this and hand it back <laughs> to you? <laughs> you know, I, what, what am I doing? And they're like, you know, uh, put it into a script. Is there ever a more satisfying day in a writer's <laughs> life than the day he staples the script? Well, it, was, it was really good. I read through it. I'm like, this yeah, is no, that's, great. They give, you, they give you everything that you need, supposedly, but then, right. you, but then you have but what to you, okay, now, stare at that blank screen, Yeah, and that first joke is just a, a day. Right. Uh, so what? Because you don't want it to be a joke that they gave you. I, I didn't have the confidence to kind of speak up back then and call George and go, look, I, I really don't know what I'm doing here. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tell me what to do. No one knows the first time they do it. Right. Okay. So that's normal. But what, what do I do? I get back to New York. If I could get in a time machine right now, what should I have done? Just collate the notes. <laughs> collate them and put them together the yeah. best. That's what I did. That's what I did. Yeah. They, they, they you hated did the, it. You did. Then they hated it. They absolutely hated it. <laughs> they did not like what I had. It was a, a major problem for them. I forget the two showrunners' names. Epstein uh, and Barr. And Oakley and Weinstein. Oakley and Weinstein, yes. Yeah. Those yeah. guys. <laughs> Perfectly nice guys, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But, um... Boy, the whole thing has left me feeling if, if just have you know I love the show, but I always feel awkward about that interaction. I and, don't think anyone cares. Yeah, I, I don't mean that in a negative way. No, I, I know. Mean, I, I care, especially now. It's, I know, sure, because now my kids are way into the Simpsons. Yeah, mine aren't. They're not. No. no. How old are your kids? I have a nine and a seven. The nine-year-old gets the jokes right now. Mm-hmm. The seven-year-old doesn't really follow I have, it. But... I have, I have eight, thirteen, and fifteen. Right. And thirteen uh, and fifteen don't like it. They like it, but they're really into. Uh, uh, Rick and Morty, right, and right. and Bob's Burgers. They really, it's like. Those? And my oldest daughter is a character on The Simpsons. My she oldest is. daughter Lulu is Ling Bouvier, Marge's sister's adopted baby from China. Wow. It was written about my experience, and mm-hmm. my my daughter is her baby photo was the model for the character. I said, there, that's what she looks. So you like. have three adopted daughters, mm-hmm. and they're they're all from China. All from China. How how does that work? 
Like well, you decide I'm, you're going to. Chinese man and a Chinese woman <laughs> fall in love. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you don't have to go back that far. But you I don't say, know if they love each other. <laughs> because my wife, every once in a while, she says, let's, you know, we've had two boys and she really uh-huh. wants a girl. And I said, you know, we're going to get another boy if we had another right. child together. And by the way, if we have another one, that's it. The marriage will end. It'll just go. It'll just go down. But uh-huh. you, you make a decision to adopt. What? How does it work? Like you get online well, and are you are... shopping or <laughs> Etsy? Uh, well, it's different. Etsy. It, it's 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 very different than it was when we first adopted Lou in uh, two thousand and two thousand two thousand one. We started the process, mm-hmm. and uh, this was the height of the one child policy in China, which is because of overpopulation. Families, uh, the tax, the, the incentives is putting, you know, put it mildly, in the way that a gun is an incentive <laughs> right. to do what the person who owns the gun tells you to do. Uh, the tax incentives in China are you're going to have one kid mm-hmm. and that we're going to control the population. But in China, here's what happens when you get older. Uh, you, uh, you're, if you're a man, you get married and you and your wife move in with your parents mm-hmm. and you guys take care of your parents. If you are the parent of the wife, you are SOL and JWF. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people were, I get up one child and they have a daughter and they're like, nah, screw this. Let's get a son and <laughs> right. retire. And they would you know, leave the daughter at an orphanage or, or wow, what have you. Okay. And they had this surplus of girls in orphanages. And my uh, wife, who you know very well, my, my mm-hmm. ex-wife, who you know very well, um, uh, read this book called The Lost Daughters of China and about that whole policy. And she was like, I don't want to adopt – I don't want to have biological kids at least right away. I want to adopt a, a girl from China. I was like, great. Let's, let's go. Mm-hmm. I was like, I hate myself enough without watching a small version of me <laughs> shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So you go – do you go to China first? Yeah. Is it an expensive thing? Does it cost a yeah, lot of money? It's, or? It's, it's, yeah, it's as expensive as any trip to China is. And well, it's not a, the trip. I mean to adopt. To, it's, an, it's as expensive as adopting a kid here or having in vitro. I, I just it's don't like, know anything about it's, it. Yeah, it's, it's a 25 couple, grand it's, or yeah, 30 it's grand. A, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like in vitro or adopting a kid here. Just literally legal fees and services right. and they have to – you know, they're not just going to give a kid to anybody. You know, right. they're going to make sure you're a responsible human being. I'm not. And, and you no, know, there's no way I could have done it. I wasn't hiding behind Sue. Uh, and and then uh, and then uh, and then it took about it took about uh, fourteen months with a two month hold for the SARS epidemic. If you remember that, yeah, I do remember that. That was right when we were supposed to go, and they said, "Hold up, we have to let this thing pass." Mm-hmm. So when are we going to get our baby? We don't know. Where is our baby? And where is SARS? They're both in the same place. <laughs> Great. Uh, I'll just I relax. Was, I was at Sarstock in Canada during SARS. <laughs> yeah. It was a Sarstock with the Rolling Stones playing. <laughs> they played for about a million yeah. people. And then during Sympathy for the Devil, a guy got SARS right in front of him. <laughs> Nobody got SARS. Sarstock, I remember Franken and Davis. Uh, Davis was writing Sarstock with Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd was hosting. I was roadieing for a friend of mine, Stevie Salas, who plays guitar, uh-huh. which I had never done before. And it was in front of a, a, a million people. And it was two things I remember about it were Canadians. Uh, they were so nice. If you ever, a million people at a concert, all Canadians, there wasn't a single yeah. asshole there. No, you bump into Canadians. people, you're jammed in. It was hot. So, like, all you sorry. hear is sorry. Yep, sorry. sorry. It was so Not unbelievable. Sorry. The sorry. other thing was I didn't uh, do a good job as a roadie. So my friend said, just stay off to the side of the stage. When I call you over, I need you to unplug this guitar and plug in the next guitar. And then he ran off. And, you know, I, I, I went to music school. I know enough mm-hmm. about guitars that I know that little uh, eighth-inch, quarter-inch right. jack, whatever it is, is live, right? Right. So I'm assuming – I didn't get to ask Which him, Which is like, why you get the – Right. right. You plug it is in. someone going to turn it's that hot. off? But I didn't get a chance to ask him that, oh. right? So the song ends. He goes, get – you know, right. kind of get the fuck out here phase now, right? right? And I run out. I unplug the guitar. I take the other one. I, in the moment, I oh. look out and I see a million, million people. And I get spooked for a second. And I take the, the, the jack and I hit the metal of the guitar. Oh. And it goes, ha! Oh. And a million people in a, in a wave all put their hands <laughs> over their, their ear like that in a wave oh back. God. You know the wave in the yes. ballpark? This is the wave the that started from front oh. to back like, ah! That was the end of my road so, career. So the end of my SARS career. There was no SARS. Ironically, this different story. Yes. 
I know a guy who was. Who had SARS? No, I know a guy who was security at <laughs> Altamont. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, and he's got some stories. Yeah, I imagine so. Um, but the, the, the quick point I was going to make was uh, my oldest daughter, it was 14 months to do it with a, a, a hold for SARS. My second daughter, we did immediately when we got back from, with our first daughter, put the paperwork in, and that took 11 months. And our third daughter took four years. And we only oh, got her because she was uh, special needs. And right. the, the reason was uh, over the course of uh, two things happened. Uh, Russia lowered the number of kids they were adopting out right. as a punishment for the sanctions that they're trying to get lifted now, mm -hmm. which meant China didn't want to be the leading adopter-outer of people, mm -hmm. so they lowered their numbers. And then since then, the one-child policy has partially been rescinded because of my favorite thing on earth, which is the law of unintended consequences. Uh, Explain. I will. It's so great. You know, women, w women in China were in this situation because they were had no power. The mm -hmm. man, you got married, and the man said what you were going to do, and then the man said we're going to go and take care of my parents, and mm -hmm. you're just a woman, so I don't want to hear it. Well, okay, but a generation later, now you have one woman for every six or seven guys, mm -hmm. and these women suddenly have all the power. Because it's supply and demand. Right. And so you've seen this culture completely subverted now where the women is like, I don't even want to look at you if you don't make over a million a year. I don't da, – da, da, da. And, <laughs> and suddenly women in China, this generation of women in China have all the power in the world. Right. And, uh, and they're like, well, we can't have this. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what are they doing? So they lessen it. So you can have two kids. You can have three kids. It's okay. <clears throat> so they have to get the power back. Yeah. And it's just a and level of playing field. out. And I don't think it's a great thing that you have an entire generation of guys that aren't getting laid but do have <laughs> access to nuclear weapons. It seems like that's this entire generation of guys not getting laid anyways. Yes, it's exactly. What I keep hearing about that's right. I'm teenagers. investing in the new hooker channel. Well, it's the it's the it's I don't know. Wasn't I, I keep hearing wasn't channel you, know, you? you know I have I I'm have trying to throw it over. It what's that? Wasn't channel you? Was I it? was letting the channel go by. Me. I was just like forgetting. That. <laughs> no, no, no. But I was trying to make a more salient point, which is mm -hmm. you know you know how you are always asking your friends who have older kids like what am I what to expect? Yes. I keep hearing that the that teenage boys teenage girls aren't hooking up anymore. That'd be great. They're not that that the the, the boys kind of hang by themselves. And that, in general, guys of this generation are, are using the Internet to satisfy themselves well, and not yeah. really feeling the need to couple up early on. There's a, the, well, the other weird thing is just the, the, the immersion. You know, I, when smartphones first came out, mm -hmm. just to show how human beings ruin everything. Um, smartphones first came out, they were the size of your wallet, and then technology improved and they got a little bit smaller, and then technology improved and they got a little bit smaller, and then people realized that you could watch porn on them and they started to make <laughs> them bigger again, and now they're, and now they're the size of catcher's mitts. Mm -hmm. um, and there's so much porn, these kids have access to so much porn that they're also, and there's a, there's a movement that like adult actresses do PSAs and stuff like saying, this is not what sex is. Don't choke your girlfriend. <laughs> and, and li but literally. Why that made Will laugh in the back. Why? why? <laughs> it's true. It, it's like, you know, I you don't Will have to cheat out girlfriend. in bed. You <clears throat> <No>. know? <laughs> <laughs> right. right. <laughs> you, know? you know, you don't have to find your key light. Just be with the person. Be with your partner. Yes. But it's a real thing and people think. Of course. But do you think that would work? I, hey, I know watching that they have a to porn do this star thing. PSA. Do you think that would have any effect on you, teenage Dana Gould? No, but, <laughs> no, but exactly. I also don't know what it would do have I been like. Want to get lectured by this person? I don't know what it would have been like if, if I had endless access to video pornography yeah, prior to getting laid. Right. I had it to magazines, and that screwed me up enough. But I, you know, I, I don't know. Not that I want to go down a porn wormhole here to talk about that right now. But I, 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 I kind of believe hole. there's no choice. But this will shape the sexual landscape of the future. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. It's not, you're not going to tell a kid or, or you know, tell any of us that oh, uh, you know, this isn't real sex. 
it's like it reminded me of cell phones, right? Do you remember the first guy with a big cell phone? He went, "Oh, that's not going to last." <laughs> yeah. Look what a dope he yeah. looks like. That's going away. We're going to shame him into going away. But really, that took over and that became yeah. everything. Uh, porn, I believe, is going to shape the sexual landscape. There's going to be a generation of of people going, "This is what sex is." Yeah, no, for better or worse, well be. we're going to do the things we see in there. Yeah, right. Could and very well be. I, I don't know. That's that's how I feel. Anyway, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's it's the car. It's cart before the horse. I'm sure there's a joke. To Let's be get made back somewhere. into the comedy world. Yeah, we don't want to go there. <laughs> but we're, not, we're talking about kids. We've and, talked about kids. Yeah. We've talked I, about. I, I have to have a vote. Uh, we, my <laughs> ex-wife and I have to talk to our girls this week about because kids are because of vaping. Like the tobacco right, companies, right, right. the tobacco companies, like, look, we're not going to sell you cigarettes; they'll kill you. But what but do you these mean? Vape well, that, pens pr- come in eleven different colors, <clears throat> right? And right. they deliver actually more nicotine yeah. than a cigarette does. That's but right. I'm already telling my kids that. You know, yeah. you just say it's not okay. Yeah, That's... and we have to have. That. But there's also kids like you have. So you, now you have super delivery systems for tobacco, and they're right. going super pot. Right. So it's it's you know it's a bad combo. Yeah, alcoholic uh, ice cream. It's in my what? supermarket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every time I get to the register, I look over. There are these just... alcohol-infused ice cream sandwiches. You know, like, well. Really? That looks good. Like, yeah. No, I remember seriously. when rum raisin was the, the closest you and, and, and the marijuana candies? I know. It's, uh, I don't know. I've okay. just started drilling into these kids' head. It's all wrong. It's all bad. It's all crap. You don't want to do any of yeah. that stuff. Well, their mom and it's I don't do okay. it. Their mom and I don't do it. Right, so right. We have, and they know we don't do it. Uh, and, are you and raising your kids here in Hollywood? Yeah. Are you right here in the middle of it? We're right here in the middle of it, yeah. Well, we'll see. They're they're ruined. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's – are you in Hollywood proper? I know you don't want to say where you live, yeah, but you're, I'm, I'm, here's I'm, how I think of it. East of the 405 or west of the 405? Oh, no. I'm, I'm on the way to Radford from here. Oh, you are. So yeah, you're right fun. in the middle. We both, yeah. yeah, we live uh, – we're, we're no longer together, but we live four minutes apart. Right, right. And we're very together. There you go. Yeah, and, and I was there so, last night and this morning. Yeah, you know, that is, you, have to, you have to tell them what's going on in Hollywood because it's, it's, uh, it yeah. can be a creepy place. And it's, and it's the school, too. You know, I have one daughter. I have three – Kids in three private schools. Really? Different ones are the same school. Three different kids in three different schools. Oh, my God. Because I like to drive. See, we could talk about. Yeah. um, Every morning is, like, awful. Uh, And... and, How did you let that happen? (laughs) It wasn't all my decision. Right, right. But... Uh, you know, and you can see the difference. You know, one kid goes to school on the west side and one kid goes to school in the valley. And you can – I can see the difference. In, uh, really? Oh, yeah. In the houses I pick them up at after parties. And, really? Yeah, yeah. All right. Absolutely. Well, what's the west side kid like? You said they're that- just – they're, <laughs> That's they're, right. They're elite. They're elitier. They're elitier. Elitier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot I, of I've houses met look like some of those. Kids. This is. Wasn't this an embassy in the nineties? <laughs> was this? <laughs> wasn't this where they parked the shuttle? Well, they have those? they have access at some of these schools. Like, there's a school down the street from us uh, that had Lady Gaga perform there last year for their fundraiser. And you're Dude, like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> we were at parent teacher conferences. Looking out the, you know, they have the rectangular glass window in the classroom door. Mm -hmm. Watching Steve Mnuchin impatiently (laughs) wait for us to finish. Really? Now, what was he doing there? With his kid doing a parent, a student teacher, parent teacher, Trump guy. Yes. Wow. The, yes, that the guy. Trump movie, who won't, movie who, producer guy. Yeah, the guy that won't uh, say that Steve Moore, uh, Roy, whatever that guy's name is. Yeah, that, <clears throat> Roy that Moore. guy. Yeah, Roy, Roy Moore. Yeah, the, yeah. Grand that, Moff Mnuchin was just like, nah, uh, hurry up, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like our – I'm more of a valley kind of guy. I grew up very working class and yeah. I feel more comfortable. No, me around. too. I mean, I grew up in a little blue-collar town in Massachusetts. Surprisingly, surprisingly kind of right-wingy, though. No, I, they're, not, well, they're all it, right-wingy. What town? Uh, West Bridgewater, Mass. You and I have a lot. We're, we're almost born on the same day. I, you're born on my brother's birthday, August 24th, yes. 1964. Yes. I was born September 3rd, 1964. Oh, so okay. A few days and off we, of you. We're both Massachusetts guys. And from similar places From similar places. West Bridgewater is the, uh, the western part of Brockton, Massachusetts. Yeah, sure, yeah. Which is the crack capital of Massachusetts yep. these days? God's country. And uh, but our our town is this beautiful little uh, dairy dairy farmland town, mm-hmm. and we listened to Leonard Skinner, and we had mm-hmm. pickup trucks and American muscle cars and gun racks. Yeah, we had we the fished. same thing. We canoe. We were in canoes all the time. We were uh, out in the woods shooting crap. 
<laughs> totally. <laughs> riding motorcycles you down know, the sidewalk yeah, and doing stuff and like that. And that's a weird it. thing. And you, you feel like now I know how people – I remember – I get to – I get to – I'm going to drop a name because I get to drop a name. Sure. But um, – I was talking to Bill Graham, the <laughs> rock and roll producer. Okay, not Billy Graham. Uh, no, no, Bill Graham, the rock and roll producer. Uh, uh, because I used to work at, oh, I still do, work at the Punchline in San Francisco that he owned. And he owned that the way you own, like, a flashlight. Like, mm-hmm. there's this thing, I think it's a club, I own it, I don't know. <laughs> and he was he was talking about, he was a technical advisor on Jim Morrison on The Doors, the Roger Oliver Stone movie, The Doors. Mm-hmm. And he was complaining, he was like, oh, how can this guy get a whole decade wrong? You get the whole thing, 60s, you got it completely wrong. Who gets an entire decade wrong? How do you do it? How do you even do that? And and we used to joke about uh, Bill Graham presents sun, Sunset on the Bay. All right, son, I need you to come down 20 minutes earlier. I want the North Star to come up on the South Moon. I need you to be a crescent moon tonight. You come up at 430 or you'll never work in this bay again. So, but I feel like that watching Stranger Things, it's like, no, I went to high school in the early 1980s, mm-hmm. and the early 1980s were the height of the 70s. Right. <laughs> the early 1980s was, in our high school, Jethro Tull, right. Neil Young, yes. uh, all of that stuff. Right. That, De- that was the music. Long hair. That was the whole deal. I, the well, 80s I, didn't hit those towns until about 87, 88. I really want to have the Duffer brothers come on the show. I want, first and foremost, I need to know if they're really brothers. Do you know if they're really I brothers? I don't know. No. Secondly, though, the car choices this year are exceptional. Such, oh, well, yeah. Exceptionally were... on point and beautiful examples of those cars. Yeah, like the kid go... with the mullet. The kid with the mullet. Like, right, yeah, right. He, He's got he, the Camaro. Yeah, he right. would have Winona that Ryder car. has the Pinto, that like yeah. light green metallic Pinto. He would have that car, but he would not have that mullet. He would just have no. long uh, Dukes of Hazard hair. <laughs> Right. I don't think the car would be in that good a condition. No, it would not be. And, it, it would be all I saw rusted his house out. in last night's episode, yeah. and I was just like, eh, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be living in that house. It either, would be but... totally rusted out, and he would have. He would have Bo Duke hair from right. the Dukes of Hazard. Well, I never knew you were really. Let, let's talk about the Dana Gould Hour, which it, it, I didn't know you had this fascination is it with horror movies. Is that fair yeah. to say? Is that what your Obsession? podcast is about? No, no. So my TV shows about. Uh, I just right, happen right. to talk about them a lot because it's my big I area see. of interest. Well, I was on your site, and there was all sorts of spooky music and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, my Halloween episode is a big. <laughs> oh, I see. My Halloween okay. episode is like three and a half hours every year. And wow. I interviewed Joe Dante, and like I really. And who go is all Joe out. Dante? He directed Gremlins, and oh, he directed no okay. uh, a lot of uh, the Howling and wow. uh, Twilight's on the movie, and a big. You know, he's a big horror director, uh-huh. uh, uh, among among a lot of other stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean that's the kind of stuff that I I grew up loving. That was my as my my friend Matt Weinhold. Describes it really well. That's my football. Right. And you were saying that you get, uh, before we started this morning, you just get a lot of reaction on the road to your podcast, more so than some of the TV shows you're on when you're doing <laughs> yeah, that's right on the latest shows. And I've been hearing this from comedians that, um, you know, they can walk on to, the, to these shows. I've, you know. I've had the same experience. I think I'm in a, a slightly lot lower category than you, but I've walked well, on to some pretty big sets of pretty yeah. big shows. Well, you were on Letterman. Today shows, the, yeah. Colbert's, things like that. Yeah. But I hear about the podcast more than anything else, mm-hmm. right? Is yeah. that your experience? Absolutely. And it's not a it, – it's just how the nature of those shows has changed, the, the goal of those shows, and – the the way that people take in entertainment, I think specifically with podcasts, because you're much more a part of some person's life. Mm-hmm. You're alone with you are alone with them. Mm-hmm. They're either in their cubicle at work listening to you on headphones, or they're in their car right. alone listening. So there's a to personal you. connection. There's a there's a yeah. Like I meet people that I don't know socially, but I right. listen to their podcast. And I have to like you don't know this person. It's like you feel like, hey, right. how are you? There's a guy listening right now on the road, Dana. Yeah. Right now he's driving. And we're his friend. Talk to him right now. Yeah, Talk directly can. to him. Say something to him. Just be brave and go over <laughs> into the other lane of traffic. I've seen James Bond do it a hundred times. <laughs> don't take signal first. <laughs> be careful. <laughs> um, but there, I hear that would be a really <laughs> funny thing in a chase movie if the guy does it is instantly killed and the movie ends. Um, and we're sued by a guy like my <laughs> yeah, co-host Zuckerman. Immediately, but in terms of what about Bill Maher? Now, I used to watch you on when I went on Bill Maher. I heard a lot about it. Yes, a lot of people called me. A lot of people, you know, a a guy came up to me and said, "I heard this guy on Bill Maher the other day talking about the Volkswagen diesel scandal," and I went, "That was me." Oh, you're you're quoting me back to me. Well, that's that's um, a different show, right? It's a different show. You're on for an hour, and it's a very, very, very dedicated audience, Mm -hmm. and it's the audience that 
you know, listens to podcasts. It's, it's, it's a very focused audience. In the way that a podcast audience is very mm-hmm. focused. Your fans listen to your podcast and they will come out and see you live. My fans listen to my podcast and if I'm in town, they come out and see me. Right. People like Colbert and uh, Conan and Kimmel, people are watching that show. And what they're really watching that show for are the, the bits at the beginning and the hope that something goes viral. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 the goal of, that, of those shows now, by and large, is to get a big star up in the front, mm-hmm. you know, to do the monologue, to do a desk piece that goes viral, get a big star after that, and that gets you right up to the 30-minute mark. Right. And that you try to hang on to your viewers up to the 30-minute mark and then hope they'll coast with you on the mm-hmm. second half of the show. And, and it's really cutthroat and it's really – uh, it, it's, it's really, really true. Brutal. When was the last time there was a big moment in an interview on a late night show where we all went, "Wow, look at that!" So yeah. and so said this. So yeah, and so it, answered it, this question. It's more. <laughs> it, it's car karaoke. It's a you know. It's like you know, like <laughs> right. a, a drunk dog played egg ping smashing pong. Smashing games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Let me smash an egg on Tom Cruise's exactly. face. Jennifer Lawrence farted in a sink and bit at the bubbles. <laughs> right, but I like that. When I, when yeah. I, so for some reason, like at eleven thirty, I, I watch Fallon. I think more than any other show right now. Um, I I kind of like it. I, I don't know what it is. But it's it, very enjoyable. It's enjoyable at that time of night. Yeah. And I, I really enjoy uh, the back and forth between Higgins and Fallon. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's good. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then I catch up with the rest of the guys in other times. And I, But I'm I'm watching Bill Maher every Friday night. Right. That's that's, what, that's a different show. That though. keeps a me a little show. sane. It's just I agree. to have him out there in that monologue just, mm-hmm. you know, talking. And saying generally what I'm thinking. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So like, no, I'm not crazy. This <laughs> I'm is, not crazy. Yeah, this right. is this is insane. <laughs> this is insane. Yeah, because it's hard. I mean, did you? Uh, you never wrote for a late night show, did you? Did you ever no, do that? No, no, I didn't. Um, uh, I, I I don't know if I'd be good at it. Um, it's tough. I mean, it, you're pretty much just ripping apart newspapers yeah, or and online the, the, and set up and punchline. People I know that do it are. Freakishly talented joke right. machines. Yes. Like, do you know, I don't know if you do. You know Brian Kiley? Yeah, I yeah. do. I know he is. Man. Have you ever seen the the original Scarface with Paul Muni? The nineteen thirty two Scarface. There's a great. There's, it's, I think it's the first time it was ever done. They're just trying to find a way to uh, illustrate the gangland wars in Chicago. And it's one of those old calendars with the pages that you turn. Mm-hmm. And it's just a machine gun blowing the pages off. And it goes January, February, March, April. That's Brian Kiley's ability to write jokes. Wow. Just... <laughs> like I've, I've, Brian Kiley and Blaine Kapatch are the two like scary I think I've fast. met I've I've heard his name forever. Yeah. Blaine Kapatch. I've always loved it. I've always loved saying it cuz it's Blaine Kapatch. He's the greatest guy in the but world I, and he's But I don't know him that yeah. well. He's uh, Gerard but, Mulligan was that guy for us on Yeah, I met He was Gerard one Mulligan, of those yeah. guys who could just and uh you know just lay out the jokes nonstop. I remember we were in when Kylie was just a comic. We we're in Boston getting into I'll never get this. And this was during the time that Stranger Things is now being depicted. Right. 1984. And we were not – and we didn't have mullets and everything. When it's 1984, not everything is from 1984. No, Most that's of the right. stuff is from yes, the 70s. That was, that's right. You know, it's like when, when a movie is set in the 50s and everything is from the 50s. No. Yes. Most of the stuff in the 50s was from the 40s and the 30s. You're too far ahead of yourself, though. I want it yeah. all like it's, it's supposed to be in right. the 80s. I want to be reminded of those things. Well, that's what the show does. One of that opening titles. That's one of the only opening well, the, titles, Stranger Things, that I'll sit through the opening yeah. titles. And I the won't synth skip is the intro. Perfect. Yeah, and the glowing red yeah. and all of that. It's all and good. I like I like that nostalgia. It's basically feeling. the Christine. It's the font from Chris, the yes. movie Christine. Anyway, we're going to get into your show. Oh, wait, in I have a to minute. say this, Brian Kiley. Go ahead. Finish your Brian Kiley. Then we're going to take a break. How fast Brian Kiley is? Okay. We're leaving. Played against Sam's in Alston, Massachusetts, and we get into his car, and he goes, "I wonder what the score is." And he starts his car, and the radio comes on, and he goes, four to five, Red Sox, Yankees, or whatever the gang was. And without blinking, Kylie goes, this must have been the radio from Gilligan's Island. <laughs> there you go. We've got Dana Gould. We'll be right back with more Spike's Car Radio. When you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure that you're getting real pricing on actual inventory. Unfortunately, a lot of times, this isn't the case. People configure cars online only later to find out they're not available. This just happened to my brother. Well... With TrueCar, you get real pricing on actual inventory. This is not pricing offered by TrueCar, but pricing from an actual dealer. And not just any dealer, but a TrueCar certified dealer. This is a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you a competitive market price. Using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. 
Next, True Car will show you what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. Now you know what a fair price is, so you can feel confident. And don't we all want to feel confident? Over 3 million cars have been sold to True Car users by the True Car Certified Dealer Network. There are over 13,000 True Car Certified Dealers nationwide. You will work directly with a True Car Certified Dealer contact. True Car users are more likely to enjoy a fast buying process when they connect with True Car Certified Dealers. True Car users save an average of over $3,000 off MSRP. When you're ready to buy, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. And guess what? I'm not telling you what features and what states. What's it like for you watching games of your son coaching? Agonizing. It's a family affair on Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. You know, I didn't know there was actual work here. <laughs> Recent guests include Rich Eisen, Judge Judy, John Harbaugh, and the Sklar brothers. That was definitely a great moment to tell our parents, hey, we're not going to go to law school. We're just going to go ahead and do a job we could have done out of high school. Thanks for paying Thanks for, for, paying for college. <laughs> Exclusively on Podcast One Sportsnet. Get episodes every Tuesday at Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. I still have so wait, so wait a minute. All right. Well, welcome back. We're here with Dana Gould. In the break, people always just, they go like this. They relax. They start talking. <laughs> they start saying the stuff I really want to get to. Yeah. What did you just say to you me? You know, I just killed a man last week. No, you didn't say no, that. No, I just sold a, uh, I had a 1965 Ambassador Wagon. A, a, an Ambassador Wagon? Yeah. Wow. Uh, the, Mitt Romney's dad built that car. Really? Why? Yes. Do you, what do you mean? Uh, George Romney, when he was at American Motors, I believe that was wow. uh, one of their cars. And I am. Why did you buy that? It was uh, a girl. Uh, I was dating a, a woman whose car it was, and she had sold it uh, at, to a guy when she needed money. And the gentleman who she sold it to said, "I can't afford to pay you what you this car deserves, but I promise you, I will sell it only back to you." I will never sell it. What color was this wagon? Uh, aqua blue. Wow. And I can show it to you. And uh, I think I'm looking at it right so, now. So was it that Yeah, color? that's my car. Oh, that, my. Is, that is actually my car. <laughs> How amazing. How did that, you find that? I, well, there aren't many blue yeah. ambassador rights, but I just, I just put an ambassador right. The first thing just came up. Her name is Mabel, what, and that's my car. What a beautiful car. So, I, she, so this guy calls this woman I'm dating. He says, I'm selling the car. Right. Do you want to buy the car? And she couldn't buy the car. And I, we were dating. I was so like, I'm going to surprise her mm-hmm. and i'm gonna go buy the car mm-hmm. and put it in my garage and then ask her to get something out of my garage and, <laughs> and be the coolest guy in the world which which happened yes and we broke up a week to 10 days later <laughs> not we broke up not two weeks later so wait, so you we, put the you bought me, the car Thirteen thousand i spent on that i bought the car for okay we broke up totally worth it i'm looking at this thing it's gorgeous not two weeks later Right. And, and you and didn't really want the car. You were just trying to impress I her. I didn't want I don't want her to take the car. They, 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 take your car back. But wait, just take us through the moment. So you, you, you put the car in the garage. You buy uh-huh. the car. Yeah. Right? And then she was there with the her son. With her. So I didn't even get laid when I bought the car. She comes like, with her son. And then what do you say to her? Go, I said, could go, you, yeah, go could get you me check, some gasoline you, from no, the garage. I said, garage could you or? check the garage? I, think I just like, we were going to go to lunch or something. I said, could you just, I want to put the stuff in the dryer. Could you just tell me if the washing machine's done? I'll put the stuff in. Could you just tell me? And then she goes, and then, <laughs> and, uh, and she opened the garage door and yeah, she flipped out. Yeah, and she and her son flipped out because it was his, you know, he his dream car. His, yeah, he right. was a kid in that car, and uh, and uh, and they uh, it and was great. Said, but this it, is over. It didn't. It didn't take. We didn't go I for. Can't, I can't have men treating me like this. <laughs> I think that might be part of it. Uh, I don't want to armchair quarterback anybody. Uh, armchair psychoanalyze anybody. But finally, about a year after we broke up, I got her to take the car. Oh, you gave it to her. I did finally give it to her. It took about a year. Yeah. But here's the weird thing. That's so nice of you, man. Why? That's really sweet of you. That you weren't angry about the breakup. Did you break up with her? Did she break up with you? You don't want to We don't need to get into details. (laughs) I'd like to know. But then you gave her the car. Was she happy at that moment? Yes, I've been told. That's fantastic. I did, let, just, let me just say this. I didn't do anything. <laughs> but No, but you gave her a car. But so, I could, Nobody's ever given me a present like that. I know. I'm but looking at this thing. You guys have to, if you, if you Google 1965 Ambassador Wagon, you'll see this blue. What color is this blue? I would say that's aqua blue. That original, I think it's the looks second like, you know, the, 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 the phrase everybody uses that isn't correct is Robin's egg, egg blue. blue yeah. Right. But let, that's not the that? color. Here. I want to see if go. any of these are taken in my yard. <laughs> that one's um, from Hemmings Motor News, which yeah, has a that lot was, of great cars on it. Yeah, that was the that was that that was the picture that I saw when I bought it, and that's wow. the uh, 
if you look at the license plate, it now is a it, it says six Mabel five. Yeah. And now it uh, is Mabel sixty five. Wow. Yeah. It's a beaut. And did you put, that is quite literally. Did the you car put all the on. kids in it? All your kids in it? And they just go wanted driving nothing it? to. I wanted to take them to the drive because I go to the drive. Well, you don't. Still. You don't ask them. You just. Do uh, that it. was the problem. <laughs> I put, but I put in seat belts. I put a new inner shell on the ceiling. Right. But I'm not. I still have my Volvo from 1992. That's cool. My 240. How many miles? Uh, over 200. Wow. Yeah. Am I no, not... Volvos are known for that. Yeah. There's a guy with amazing. a million-mile Volvo in right. Long Island. Right. Yeah. Uh, especially the 240. I love people like you always say, I'm not a car guy. I'm not a car guy, but I've got this car yeah, I have a car. that and I my, love and my girlfriend that has 100,000 miles on it. And my girlfriend has a 1970 Volkswagen that's now in my garage. So my garage is What has kind two of Volkswagen? Cars. A little Beetle? Yeah. Wow, I have Beetle. one of those. Yeah, and we have, so if you do open my garage, there are two old cars in it. <laughs> well, that's great. That's it. But that's the whole thing. But I don't know anything about it. And you don't have to. I would. Well, here's the problem. I would be on the highway. I'd be on the 101 right. driving Mabel, and a few times I drove her. And people would come up and like roll down the window frantically. Did you put a P twenty five clamp on the Morehouse gasket? And they're like, I don't know. I, all you have to Jay do, Leno landing on me in a Stanley steamer. Jay's in a different category yeah. of he's a different thing. Yeah. None of us are Jay Leno. None yeah. of us pretend to be Jay Leno because he's. He's something, yeah. if you want to experience it, you know, I'm sure you know. Jay, Jay has the Flintstones car. It's made of rocks. Mm, yeah, but he, <laughs> his body of knowledge, what he stores in his head, and I believe it's because he's never had kids. He spent all yeah. of that kid time memorizing yeah. stuff. It's encyclopedic. It yes. really is truly uh, mind-boggling what he knows. Yes. Um, and, and you don't have to be that. You just no. have to have this love for this thing with four wheels that you yeah, drive and around it, well, in. It, it, and here you are with two vintage cars. Now, and you, I, like I didn't it, even know this. Yeah, and I like it for the same reason I go to the drive-in. I, <laughs> my... I'm sorry. I just uh, flipped up. My producing partner just walked in. My, uh, he's uh, miming. I like to give my kids... Gesture. I like to I what I have what I live is the life I wish I had when I was a kid. Exactly. Right. To the point that my house was built I was born in 1964, my house was built in 1966. It is furnished to the era. Really? 9 times out of 10 if I watch TV while you're watching Fallon, I'm watching Perry Mason right. on Me TV. Right. Um, so you're re- recreating your life as a I, two-year-old. For I, some no, reason. I'm improving my life as a two-year-old. <laughs> right. This is what I wish. Why? I could what? Do. What happened? Why? Why do know. you want to do that? You just feel this this love for nostalgia, yeah. or was yeah. it, it? Was there turmoil growing up? Both. There was. Yeah, I grew up in a very, very, very chaotic household. Really, with no stability whatsoever. Right, and there everybody was drunk. Everybody all the time. was drunk. So it's a it's yeah. A, I have four older brothers, two parents, a younger sister, and a three-bedroom house, and everybody was always drunk. Wow. And did so, you yeah. share one bathroom? Yes. Me too. And here, did you have this habit then What's that, that you had to break when you left the house? Announcing when you were going to the toilet. <laughs> yeah, Because exactly. yeah, I was like, I gotta poop. No, what? <laughs> I don't care. I'm still in the shower. <laughs> yeah, but you'd have to say that in case somebody else had to pee. Like, no, yeah. no, 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 don't go. I'm going first. So and then you're, you're so then there you was so much in pain like, growing up that you you're you re- don't know it at the time. You think everybody's always an agony. oh I didn't I you know I, I mean I I, I had a it didn't sound like as cra- as crazy but I had some addiction in my house yeah. and it was an angry sarcastic house and my feelings I didn't know matter, exactly blah, 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 the house blah, blah. you grew up in and yeah. I walked out of that uh, situation and and. and you know, I think it was a, 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 a second or third breakup with a girl at the four-year mark where I was like, this is a weird pattern. This is – I seem to be reenacting this relationship over and over again. And I, and I went to the self-help aisle of a bookstore and I read an argument I had just had the night before with this girl when I broke up line by line. And I went – What I, was I, the book? It was – I don't even know. It was some low self-esteem type uh-huh. thing and I'm like – does this person know me? I mean, I, I was this, I'm writing on Seinfeld at the time. Yeah. And I'm thinking uh, the there's world. a microphone in my in my uh, bedroom, uh-huh. and this fight that I just had somehow got transcribed into the book. And uh, so I went to a shrink. I sat down with the guy, and he said, "How was your childhood?" I said, "It was great. Happiest childhood ever." <laughs> and that's where my little journey began. Oh, he yeah. goes, "How? What do you remember about it?" I go, "You know what? Come to think of it, I don't remember much. I don't remember a oh, lot of it." Wow. And he said, "You know when." When I have people like you come in and you're saying the types of things and the relationships you get in over and over again, they say they don't really remember their childhood. A lot of times that means they were very unhappy. And I went, oh, well, not me. And that, you know, <laughs> that that's where and it then, began. And then, but for no reason, if you're cool right now, I'm going to cry for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never did. I never had oh, that I moment. Oh, I've, oh, really? Spike, I've you, wept like a little girl. Well, that's good. 
Well, yeah. that's good because maybe emotions weren't allowed in your household growing up. There were, right? No, rage was – we had two emotions, right. rage and suppressed rage. Those were allowed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm we, going back tomorrow. We had like rage and sarcasm. Yeah, Those rage, were our two that we sold. I was trying to – I was talking to somebody last night and it, it, I forget who it was. But I was saying how, like, there was so much sarcasm in, in New England, mm-hmm. Massachusetts. By the way, the, which helps you with your comedy genes. Totally. It, it, there's it, a reason we're all yes. funny. Oh, it was a, it was a, <laughs> a, a director, this uh, British guy, and I was trying to explain to him. Like, and, and he goes, what you're describing is very British. Uh, remember the National Honor Society in high school? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I get in the National Honor Society. And I was an usher at the movie theater. And I said, hey, I'm going to be late tomorrow. I have to go to the National Honor Society thing. My boss went, don't shit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Not congratulations or anything. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, don't shit yourself. <laughs> right, exactly. My, my oldest brother came to see me perform once and said, uh, Hey, I don't mean to compliment you, but that was pretty good. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> you can compliment me. I, I don't want to say something nice, right? <laughs> yeah, they, exactly. they don't want you to feel I too want you good. To feel good about yourself. Yeah, I like that part of Massachusetts. It, it, my mom, and I've told the story before, so I won't get into it. My mom used to put me down for cleaning my car. She goes, "Yeah, you and you California people." By the way, I'm a California person now. Sure, of course. And yeah. washing your cars. Yeah. What are you washing your cars for? Oh, I <laughs> and she had a new car, and I said you better wash that because you've got salt on the road. She goes, "Please, your vanity, you're washing your car." She doesn't talk like that, but my, my dad she called saw... me a year later. Her the, the suspension of her car had rusted away. From of course, it, it did. She said, "You're right. That's why you wash cars." I'm like, "Yeah, mom, it's not vanity. <laughs> it's, <laughs> there's a reason we do this." When my Volvo, my 240, was about 15 years old. Mm-hmm. My dad came out to visit and he goes, oh, you still get your yuppie car. <laughs> like, no, it's a 15-year-old Volvo. <laughs> yeah, yuppie. That's yeah. right. You don't want to yup- be a yuppie. yuppie car. With your polo and oh, your collar Jesus. turned up. Oh, gee. Mr. Cool, you can't have a beer, can you? You got to have yeah. some Stoli vodka. <laughs> <laughs> you got to drink something like that. Yeah. Oh, jeez. I'm sorry, your highness. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, you yuppie car. But so so, so you now, and I find, I, I don't know, I think this is just a normal dad thing anyways, that you do want to, if you didn't have a lot growing up, you want to really spoil your kids. Yeah, I do everything. And make a great, fun life for them. I do right? everything. Yes, I do everything the opposite of my <laughs> of my. Parents. And I don't want to cry. My, I have a great relationship with, yeah, with no, my family of now. Course, and, and of course. All, it's a generational thing. My dad, my mom turned 84 yesterday. My dad mm-hmm. turned 88 last wow. week. 87 last week. You know, th- my dad is Don Draper's age. Right. You know, so <laughs> I know what Don Draper, I know how we ended up. Right, right. Uh, somebody <laughs> had to explain to him. <laughs> Uh, what email was. Right. <laughs> and and what imagine, he did wrong. Yeah, John Hamm just banging no, a cell phone on the table. What is this goddamn what thing? I think, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but for me it was just like the finally realizing, like, these people really had no information. <laughs> there was no instruction manual. There was no booklet. Yeah. There, I'm sure there were lots of folks out there raising kids right and being kinder and not, you know, obviously addiction's a separate issue. Yes. But, but nowadays, we really have so many cheat sheets. So, so many cheat ma- sheets. So and, many and to, to not screw our kids false over. Belie- false beliefs because they're handy. They're, ha- they're easily said. And I always get into this. Whenever I get, whenever I get bored, I go on Twitter and I pick a fight about guns. Fills up the day. <laughs> and I, um, I get one about every morning. Uh, and here's what I'll boil it down very quickly. I won't belabor the point. I grew up in a house full of guns. I had a gun rifle. I had a rifle cabinet in my bedroom as mm-hmm. a kid because it was the only room that it fit in. And, you know, I, if you want to hunt, you should get a rifle. And if you want to protect your family, you should get a pistol. And if you want to defend democracy from tyranny, you should vote. Uh, you don't need an AR-15. You, there, there is a group of people, a large group of people in this country who feel they have to be armed to the teeth because one day they're going to have to fight our own government because they have all these facile memes. Uh, a well-armed populace says the vanguard of, of victory, James Madison or whoever <laughs> right. said it. Uh, this, is, <clears throat> this is what that fight will be like in real time. Target acquired. Target destroyed. So what do you want to do for lunch? Don't say pizza. <laughs> right. and, the AR-15 and, won't figure into right. that conversation. And, and they just – because they have these facile memes from James Madison. And right, right. we grew up with memes like spare the rod and spoil the child. And our parents thought, well, you know, if I don't hit him, I'm agreeably queer. 
But guns you know. are are a very dark attraction. Like you know, sure. it's hard for me to admit this, but after all the stuff that's gone on lately, I'm suddenly attracted to AR-15s. Now I'm not yeah. going to buy one. I know I don't need one, but I yeah. kind of have this dark fascination and I, interest well, with the gun all sure, of a sudden. Sure, it's absolutely, it's absolutely and understandable. And once you get, and once you know, I've owned guns before. Once you yeah. get them, you they talk to you. They 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 go, hey, why yeah. aren't you shooting me? That, why, you know why aren't you playing with me and out in the woods or you know using me? And all that, all that's fine. But uh, is it? But, but I mean, it's like <laughs> oh, no, all, no it's all like... that is where I where I draw the line is like if you feel that you have to be armed enough that you and your friends can take on the first armored division from the porch, <laughs> right. and, and and that no law should limit the access to mm-hmm. what you have. Mm-hmm. But but we're talking about like our parents' generation. Remember, remember, hey, when a woman says no, she means yes. Right, of, right, right. They grew yeah. up thinking that was true. Yeah. If you know, there was you know, hey, if rapes and if rapes inevitable, lie back and enjoy it. That was well, like to, an expression we, that people said. And in like, my no, home, these things aren't true just because they're easily remembered. We would walk down the street with a, with guns. You know, my friend mm-hmm. would have a twenty two or something, yeah. thirty odd six, and we would go, hey, let's just go out in the woods. We just walk down the street with our rifles <laughs> by the by yeah. the cops. They'd wave, sure. and you go out in the woods, and, and you're shooting, and a lot of people. That don't come from that culture don't understand the, the the cultural affinity of that. Right. I have no problem with anything. I my personal belief is civilians have no business with military grade weapons. Right. Period. Yeah. You know. No, if, I don't if, disagree if, with if that. You, if you wanna, if you want to if you want an AR fifteen, then you should also have a grenade launcher. And if you don't have a grenade launcher, why don't you have a grenade launcher? <laughs> Why don't you have a suitcase nuke? <laughs> right. If they have nukes, you should have nukes. All right. Well, let's talk about Stand Against Evil, why uh, why we're here. You guys are you're on IFC mm-hmm. uh, Wednesdays at 10 p.m. You're in your second season. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Are we in the middle of the second season Yeah, we're in the right middle now? of the second season right now. Yeah. Tell, tell the listeners what the show's all about. Um, what, if, what if Archie Bunker was Buffy the Vampire Slayer? <laughs> Basically, I took my dad, that I've, as I've described, and I, I did a pilot with him, uh, well, not with my dad, but the premise of like, what if my dad came to live with me and Sue and our kids? And I did it on ABC, and Brian Dennehy played my dad, and he was mm-hmm. brilliant. And uh, we didn't, go, we got made, it didn't get go to the series, but I saw that the character worked. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do a show with that character, but I didn't want the show to be about that character because I didn't want to learn anything, and I didn't want any of that malarkey. But right, I do you had like too the many character. notes through the uh, development yeah, I process. Didn't, I didn't want the character to be like, no. Oh, Grandpa, he actually <laughs> likes that black guy. He just didn't want us to know, you know. And I just right. thought, well, what if I just took a show that I like, like The X Files, mm-hmm. a show that I enjoy watching, and just put my dad in it, and people had to deal with him because the way people in real life have to deal with him, and that was the show. What if what if Julian Anderson was partnered with my dad instead of Dana instead of David Duchovny? And right. Janet Varney plays that character, and John C. McGinley plays. Basically, a younger version of my dad. And so, and is he? Is he a vampire? He's a, no, he's a retired. He's a retired sheriff in this town, I see. <clears throat> where all the sheriffs are cursed. Because in uh, 1692, uh, the constable went crazy and burned 172 <laughs> people for witchcraft. <laughs> he really, Salem had 21, and he really wanted to win. Uh, and and so, there's a curse in this town that every sheriff dies very young in office, and he John didn't because. His wife was a demon slayer mm-hmm. and would go out at night and protect him unbeknownst to him. And are you and are you starring in the show? Or you, no, John C. McGinley stars in it. I it's, I have you, a recurring role. I have a small do. role. Wow, that's a dream come true. Uh, it's, it's like it's a really little fun, show yeah. that you run that you can be in whenever you want. How, exactly. Are you shooting 10 episodes a season? We do eight. We do eight. Do eight. So, and so it's, kind of, I still and have to go on the road. Do they <laughs> is, uh, a good budget? It, it's a very small. This is the great thing about IFC. And, and Sell me on IFC. I like who they put on. They've got a great have, comedy well, roster. This this came about really simply. Uh, Pete Aronson, who you know, uh, mm-hmm. was a great guy and super funny. Actually, was a writer. Yep. You know, gets it. We were having lunch, not a show business lunch, just two dudes eating chicken, <laughs> and uh, and he just said casually, he was like, "You should do a funny X Files," and I said, "I just did," and I wrote, I had written this to do digitally, just like mm-hmm. I'll play my dad in makeup. I have a lot of friends in special effects and. Uh, I'll, it'll be fun. It'll be a seven-minute thing. We'll film it. And uh, and then I pitched it to him, and he goes, well, you'd have to change A to B and B to C and C to D. But if you do, I'd love to hear it. So I went back in a couple of weeks later, and I pitched it, and he went, great. Yeah, do it. Oh, and the way IFC does it, they have a really great model. They don't You don't make a pilot. They go, great. Write eight scripts. 
and they pay you uh, to write eight scripts, mm-hmm. and they see the season. And they had three shows that said their season. They had this budget where you do cross-board, which is you shoot it like a movie, uh, the two, mm-hmm. the the whole series. Like it's like shooting a movie. Everything that's in the kitchen in the entire second season is going to be shot the day we have the kitchen, and everything. So you've got to really plan ahead. But we do eight episodes in five weeks. Wow! Think but how about do you that. plan with out live, with special effects and <clears throat> monsters? And but how are you? I mean, just the writing part of it seems daunting. Like you know what? How, you're writing eight episodes. Are you turning in that first one first to make sure that nothing in it is going to, you know, hit the next seven episodes that you write if you we, get noted on? No, hey, the Dana, I, the Dana Gould character, he's got to go away, and then you have six storylines with him going. I, you, I, I, I you, you have all the stories broken. You, the stories are broken, and then and noted ahead of time before the writing. Yeah, starts. but this is the, but this is the beautiful thing about IFC, and, and, right. and this is exactly what Pete says. I'm not going to give you any money at all, but I'm going to leave you alone. Right. And they do. They right. they give like two or three notes that are, you know, all usually really good. And I right. think there was one time where I said I kind of don't no money at all for what? But I mean, you, pay you, you to the write. budgets are like are really tight. Right. You know, right. They're, they're really tight. Um there's no largesse. Right. But and you if know, you save money, is that your money? Do you keep that money, or do you put no, all the money on the screen? No, <laughs> no. I'm sure some. I'm sure I've. I'm sure I've saved money, and right. I'm sure someone has it. I, I can guarantee you, it is. What about me. back end? Do you own the show outright in exchange I for that? Can you sell it around the world and make some money? I'm sure you there's something to Amazon there's, or someone there's else. There's something. There's, all right. I'm sure there's something that I should have and I don't have. I'm sure you have yeah. it. I'm sure the girl that. I'm sure the woman that mm. owns. Mabel will somehow get that money, right? Um, but, 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 uh, but, but they do leave you alone, and, and if you really argue with them, they go, okay, no problem, great, wow. But you do; it's a year long job because, right. yeah, I, I'm writing from January, I'm writing from January to March. Mm-hmm. I'm in pre production from uh, uh, April to the beginning of June. I'm shooting from June to the middle of July, and then I'm posting from July to October and then we start November 1st. And then you're back. Yeah. So it's it's a year-long <clears throat> gig. Well, it sounds awesome, man. I'm yeah, I can't complain about it. I'm really happy and John, I got really lucky with a great uh Nate Mooney, Deborah Baker Jr., Janet Varney and John C. McGinley are the the four leads and they're great. And there you go. The second year mark in television, that's the big one. Yeah, um, and Netflix. After three years, I'll have one season. Really? Well, I have twenty-four <laughs> episodes. No yeah. old seasons. Seasons are smaller now. Well, yeah. the show is Stand Against Evil. Uh, it's on IFC. It's uh, if you right. like Stranger Things and Stephen King and that stuff, you will love it because it's gonna... it's that stuff, but it's funny. Totally check it out. It's Wednesdays at ten o'clock. They're in the middle of season two. Dana Gould, thank you so much Great for to coming see in, you. man. It was Great very nice you. for you to come here. Um, I loved hearing the car stories. I loved catching up with you. Yeah, it was good to see you again. And uh, we'll see you next time on Spike's Car Radio. Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.